0: everyone for joining. Uh, So I'm Claire, I'm a proud Korean American woman. And I will pass it over to Giannina.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Giannina. I work for a careers team at Royal Holloway uh, University of London in the employer engagement team. Um, So very passionate about helping students to find their careers and kind of discover their career journey.
2: Uh, uh, Hazel. Sure, hi, I'm Hazel. I'm originally from London and living in South Korea. I'm working as an English teacher here. I've lived here since 2011, which is a bit crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Uh,
3: Adrian. Um, so hello, I'm Adrian. Um, I'm mixed American and Taiwanese And I grew up in the U.S. and also in Canada, and I spent some time living in East Asia as well, in Taiwan, Japan, and South Korea. And um, Claire and I have been friends since middle school.
0: (laughs) Age 12, for those who don't know what that is. Right?
2: Yeah, I I think just about (laughs) that. Somewhere around there. I didn't (laughs) realize it was that long.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, thanks for all the introductions. Thanks thanks for your time. And Serena will join us in a bit, so we'll just have her introduce her again. But yeah, I didn't want to go into like a full bio because I feel like listeners already <laughs> know who I am. And um, everyone should check out Janina, uh, Adrian, and Hazel's episodes, which are out if you haven't listened to them already. Okay, and I'll link that in the, in the show notes when we release this. Um, okay, so... Um, today, we'll be trying to answer the question or talking around the question of who is perpetuating our perceptions on beauty and love. So I'll leave the topic then. If Serena doesn't join us, Giannina um, can go next if you don't mind, Giannina. <laughs> okay, awesome. So I just wanted to start my topic off um, by... Uh, by reading this quote from this book, it's Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. And it was actually very hard to read this book, not because it was a bad book, just because um, she just validated a lot of microaggressions I felt in my life. And to have it perfectly written as I read it was like, oh, man, what I was feeling was actually racism. And it was just very difficult emotionally, I think, to read this book. So I just want to read like a tiny section. So um. Okay, so a fascinating little-known fact about the Korean War is that an American surgeon, David Ralph Milliard, stationed there to treat burn victims, invented a double eyelid surgical procedure to make Asian eyes look Western. Which he ended up testing on Korean sex workers so that they could be more attractive to GIs. Now it's the most popular surgical procedure for women in South Korea. Um, so I think that really sticks with me because. Um, I hadn't realized how this whiteness and white image was so socially ingrained in me for such a long time. I mean, just I think growing, growing up, I think I was just so societally conditioned to think like being fair is attractive, being white is attractive. Um, and when you look at films, it's always who who is the hot one? It's always a white man, a white female. Um, so just knowing that I couldn't be that like attractive person was just very conflicting when I was younger. and I know I touched upon this last time, but I didn't realize like it took me until maybe as of three or five years ago to finally recognize I'm beautiful, Asian people are beautiful. other people are beautiful too and just being really comfortable with my skin. But even when I'm in Korea to know that these cosmetic procedures are, Um, founded upon a surgery that a white man has invented it's just very troubling for me and I don't know how to reconcile this Um, but you know even in terms of love I was always taught you know my friends were mostly white and whenever I showed interest in like an Asian Asian man Asian man we were in high school Asian boy they would just be like oh of course you guys would end up together you guys would make cute Asian babies like but why do you need to say that? That's kind of weird. Or, you know, it was always like, who is the hot man? It's always a hot white man. Um, so I just received like all these beauty and love advice that has been just very white. Um, yeah. So I'll just leave it there for now. I know it was a pretty intense topic to start with. Um, but yeah, I guess on a positive note, I I do feel better, and I think I'm finally like entering into my thirties. I feel more more comfortable with my skin, which is which is great. Um, but yeah, so I'll end it there for now before I ramble on. But to to be honest, this is one of the reasons why I I, I wanted to talk about this because I feel so self conscious talking about this. I feel like I'm self policing my own voice because it's like other. There are more important issues. Do I really need to talk about how I didn't feel attractive or confident because I was surrounded by whiteness? I I don't know, but yeah, okay. So I think that was five minutes. Um, I'm. Did anyone want to react to what I said? Oh my god, I feel so self-conscious about
2: this. <laughs> um, so I I was just say something quickly. Sorry if it's noisy in the background. Um, I remember hearing about that. Guy and that surgery in a podcast, but I didn't realize he was using it to make people look more attractive to GIs. I thought it was just um, I don't know, some sort of surgery yeah. procedure, and then it ended up becoming fashionable. Um, I was just wondering, do you know, like obviously it's really popular here in Korea, do you know if um amongst korean americans that surgery is popular do you have any idea about that
0: oh even the double eyelids
2: yeah is it popular outside of korea or is it only in korea do you have any idea
0: i think it's only in korea in my opinion i'm also curious like Janina, like have you ever heard of this before is it new to you
1: yeah i think I i, can't, I watched a documentary years ago and i think you know the most common present for a sweet 16th birthday party in korea is uh, cosmetic surgery vouchers. Yeah. so it's it's massive and i think that the double eyelid uh, procedure is is probably the most popular of the of the surgeries that are, are done to such young girls that seems you know horrific that we would try and augment and and, and alter their bodies at that at that age um because they're feeling pressured to look more western um, I think it's interesting how w- when you talk about how that shapes your perception of what's attractive and what's not. Um, I completely resonate with what you what you say about kind of the hot guys in Hollywood or, you know, who who is the desirable figure in the film, because as, as a black woman, I feel like I don't think black actors and black actresses get enough of those roles. We have a lot of kind of best supporting actress. So we're usually the best friend. We're usually the cool, fun person, not the pretty one. Um, so that does have an impact on then how you see yourself if you look like that person. Um so yeah, I'm I, I I resonate with with what you were saying earlier.
0: Yeah, um, so I just want to say one thing, and I'll pass it over to Adrian. But um, number one, I think it doesn't help that predominantly white people comment on perceptions of beauty for people of color. And so, for Asian people specifically, we're always getting comments on, "Oh, you have slanted eyes. Do something about it." And if those messages are constantly rammed into your brain, it bleeds down to a younger level, and that's that's why when I saw those girls getting surgery, um, I mean, I guess like there's a separate discussion, like, "Oh, I, I want to do this for myself." Okay, you go do that, but you know, because it's just so ingrained within the culture, and because it's so like internationally, like this is a standard of beauty what is it it's being white it's having large beautiful luxurious eyelashes um that that really really bothers me um and the other thing i wanted to mention is it's only 2016 that what like crazy rich asians came out and uh, i mean I, i just i really teared up watching that movie because it's like oh finally other people are recognizing um asian people can be hot and i know that sounds so stupid But it is a big deal because it's Asian people aren't seen as desirable. Even for me, when I was um, just so I saw your comment, you know, like um, among my friends, I remember like when we were at a party, they'd be like, hey, that guy likes Asian. So you should talk to him. It's like, oh, so he can't talk to me because he thinks I'm attractive, not my personality. Hello.
2: Yeah. And why would you talk to someone who just wanted to talk to you because you're Asian? Like, well, I, I did.
0: Yeah. But when we're younger, we have all these anyways I I think I when you're very when you have low self-esteem and someone says that guy will talk to you because of xyz conditions when you're younger you're like let's go for it um Mm -hmm. but and you know my husband is white and um I've had some comments like oh if you don't marry an Asian person you obviously end up with a white person it's like it's very conflicting I probably like just touched touched on the surface um so I'm just going to ask Adrian for a comment because she just hasn't commented before. And then I'll go to Janina and then, yeah, I guess I'll just end my topic and, and move on. So yeah, Adrian.
3: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really resonate a lot with what you're saying as well, especially like, I mean, being like, you know, Taiwanese and white at the same time. And I felt like I really felt like it was hard to kind of find like a sense of beauty or some type of role model because I was mixed so I kind of felt like well you know like white girls are pretty but I don't look like white girls and like oh like Asian girls are pretty but I don't look Asian either so it just felt like I didn't fit like either standard of beauty and I couldn't really like look to any sort of model so I always felt it was kind of weird like kind of existing in that in between space Mm. because it felt like because i don't know i mean i really i love i love asian media i think asian people are attractive but i don't think that i fit into that category because i'm not like standard like asian you know i don't it's like i mean i want to touch on this a little bit later in my topic as well but it's like the fact that i have curly hair i think really sets me apart from a lot of asian people that have straight hair so i always felt like it was kind of in that weird in between space where i just like didn't really fit, and I couldn't really find any type of like, I don't know, like, you know, role model or anything to
1: to guide my perceptions. Mm, yeah, that's that's a good point, uh, Janina. Um, I just wanted to to touch on something you you mentioned earlier, which is about kind of having that traditional standard of beauty, but also something something I've noticed is what I'm calling that a niche standard of beauty and that's all about kind of you're attractive because you're Asian you talked um you and Hazel were talking about that guy wanted to talk to you because he's attracted to Asians he's attracted to to people who look Asian and I, I see that a lot in the black community as well there is a there's a black beauty definition and then there's a what generally accepted as beautiful definition and I hate both of them but I think you know both both of those they're, they're quite different pressures there's um you know for myself as a black woman you know I should have a massive bum and big boobs and a small waist and like long weaved hair but then if I'm going with a more Western style of beauty, I should weigh, you know, less than a hundred pounds and I should, you know, so it's, you know, which, which standard of beauty is right, if any, and, you know, it should be a spectrum for all rather than these two idealized forms based on race, which I really don't like.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. It could go in so much depth there. Um, but I guess just to just to close off my topic, I will answer the question and say, in my opinion, um, these perceptions are perpetuated by white men. Um, I know there's a separate discussion on who who perpetuated and then who um, maintains it, but in my opinion, it is white men and white people. Um, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I don't know why I feel so self-conscious about this topic. I think it's just so personal, and it's bringing up memories of like a younger trauma and like, why did I make those decisions? Why did I give in to these stupid societal norms that it's out there? So Sabrina hasn't joined us yet. So if um,
1: Janina is ready, do you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. Um, So my topic is um, beautifully introduced by Adrian. I would like to talk about hair. It's something I'm uh, going through quite a transition at the moment and relearning a lot about my hair. So I'm very interested in it. Um, And then with my work hat on, I'm thinking about natural hair for black women in the workplace. We know that there's been a couple of articles where I think a couple of years ago a woman was fired from Harrods because she didn't have professional looking hair and when you look at the photos of her she's just got an afro you know about six inches long and she, she decided to wear it naturally that day and that was deemed unprofessional so that's something that that I'm not experiencing but I have noticed a difference since doing the big cut myself and getting rid of my relaxed hair and starting to grow out my hair naturally there's definitely been a shift of opinion and I'm getting a lot more comments about my hair and I've moved from kind of It not really being a topic of discussion to being called exotic and oh isn't that interesting and isn't that different and please don't touch my hair and all of that stuff so um i'm just really interested in how hair is um perceived by different people particularly in its natural state the pressure i know that every everybody wants what what everybody else has the people with straight hair curl it people with curly hair straighten it that's fine you can you can change what you want but i think there are some degrees of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable that is just that is just wrong. I think everybody's natural hair, as long as it's clean, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's fine and it's not, you know, blocking anyone's view, I think, um, I think that would be the standard for acceptance. And anything you do beyond that is is your choice and, and your right to do. Um, but I'm interested to see if anyone else on the call has um, had any reactions to either a hairstyle or a hair colour or any kind of hair journey that they want to share.
3: Yeah, Adrian. Oh, right. I forgot to unmute. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about hair, which actually I was going to talk about it during my segment as well. But maybe I'll talk about something else um, and just share my thoughts.
1: Oh, we now. we can we can share uh, the segment.
3: <laughs> yeah, or I I don't know. Well, <laughs> like so, I'll well I'll just share some of my thoughts now about hair. So like because I've always had curly hair and that's always seemed kind of like weird for like an Asian person to have curly hair. I've always kind of struggled with that. So like um, when I was younger, a lot of people would think I was older. They thought I had a perm, like, I don't, like, if you guys have been to East Asia, you know about East Asian media. A lot of times it's, like, the auntie character (laughs) that has a perm. And, like, when I was in high school, I had a permed bob. And that is, like, the absolute, like, auntie ajuma, like, hairstyle. And so everybody thought I was a lot older than I actually was. I was so... I kind of struggled with my hair a lot. And I always felt like whenever I went to hairdressers, they would always cut my hair the way they wanted it to be rather than the way that I wanted it to be. So I always wanted to try to like minimize the curl and make it look smaller. And they're always trying to make it look bigger and like, you know, more like bombastic and everything. And so it's something that I've like struggled with for a very long time. And I did like chemically straighten it for many years as well but it just was starting to get too dry and I kind of got bored of it. So I stopped doing that. And then I also had red hair for a while. Like I bleached it and I had pink hair and then red hair. And I still remember like, cause I had dyed my hair red when I was in South Korea. And when my professor saw it, because I was in grad school, they were like, oh, interesting. <laughs> so, so it is like something that I've, struggled a lot with and it's really hard I think to find like a professional way of wearing it because I think that people always see it as being like kind of like wild and untamed like and people always used to say like oh but your hair makes you seem so quirky and like you know weird or something like that and I think like and I did feel like when I straightened my hair I did feel like oh I I don't really feel like myself it's not really like me anymore But at the same time, I just felt like I just wanted to be me and I didn't want to be, like, quirky or strange just because of my hair, you know? Like, I wanted to have, like, my own type of quality. I didn't want it to just be like, oh, well, you know, you're the weird one. Although I think, you know, uh, Claire knows, like, I did kind of lean into that a lot when I was younger too. And I think it's not just because of my hair. Like I did like being like kind of strange or different. <laughs> so I mean, especially when you're younger, you just want to like, you know, be weird and do whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It's like, it is something I felt like I've really struggled with. And I think part of it is this view of like, what is professional, you know? And so what is, so In that sense, like not in uh, perpetuating our perceptions of beauty and love, I feel like it's also like in a professional sense. So it's like you want to seem professional, you want to seem like, you know, pulled together. And when you have curly hair, it's very hard to make it look neat. So it kind of like ties into that idea of like, oh, you're unprofessional because your hair is like messy or it's frizzy or something. And it's like, sometimes it's just the weather. Okay. Like my hair just does this you know that's it so anyway yeah so I just wanted to comment on that I guess
0: (laughs) so if you google like interview interview like how to look professional during interviews it's usually like suit, sleek straight hair um lots of makeup which itself is another issue so um both of you have, quote unquote, quirky hair. Have you ever had an explicit interview feedback where they're like, you should have looked more professional or you should have been more put together? Like, have you two ever had experiences like that?
1: Um, for me, not personally, but I. but then I have felt pressured to normalize my hair before an interview. So I am the sort of person who will cover up my tattoos, I will dress smartly for the interview and then as soon as my probation is over you'll see what I really look like. Um, so I've kind, of, <laughs> I've kind of got around that by playing the game um, but it's 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 a really good question and it's one that that I discuss with students a lot because you know Adrienne you talked about that age is when you really want to kind of express yourself visually and if you're ever going to dye your hair a crazy colour it's usually between you know the ages of 15 and 20 and this is when our you know people are looking for their first job so I get a lot of questions from students about how should I dress how could I present myself and I really want to challenge them and and say you know as long as your hair is clean and well done it doesn't matter if it's frizzy doesn't matter if it's straight doesn't matter if it's up or down you know, you you should not be discriminated against. And I do feel it's, it's that strong a term, you know, by your hair. If you can demonstrate that you can do the work, it's professional and it's not getting in, it's not getting in the way of you being able to do a job. Then that's professional. I think it, it might cross boundaries if you've got something offensive shaved into your into your head. You know, that's a different issue. But you know, your natural hair is professional. You don't need to do anything to your hair naturally in order to make it professional. And that's that that's kind of the message really that that I would like to see more people promoting. Yeah.
3: Um, personally, I haven't had any feedback that said that you know, I should have been more professional or something. But I haven't gotten any interview feedback. So I don't know, They either just didn't call me back, or they did call me back. So that's, so that's basically the only feedback I've gotten thus far. So I don't know, maybe they thought it and they didn't say it, or I don't know. So
0: How, like, what, how did you two decide to just go with your natural? I mean, I I know at a certain point, like your scalp screams for you, be natural. But apart from that, um, how did you two just decide to just go natural?
1: I think, I think for me, that was pretty much it. My hair was dying, like literally dying with all of, you know, i had been relaxing since I was 16. I won't tell you how long that ago that was, but it was a while. So a good few years of doing that. um, I was coloring my hair. I was using blow dryers, hair straighteners. And just effectively killing your hair. So I got to a point where it just wasn't even a choice for me. It was breaking and I had to do something and just went back to my natural hair. Luckily, I, you know, when I was younger, I learned how to look after it. I know how to braid. So I knew how to manage natural hair. So that wasn't, I know that's uh, sometimes a worry to some black women with their natural hair, because you do have to learn to plait. You do have to learn how to moisturize and things like that. So if you don't have that grounding, it can be quite daunting to, to have to deal with your natural hair. Um, but yeah, for me, it was purely a health reason. It was either that or, or just watch it fall out slowly.
4: Um,
3: for me personally, like it actually was because I wanted to dye my hair. and I couldn't do both. So it was like I either had to choose one or the other because, you know, bleaching because my hair is really dark as well. So to dye it, I would have to bleach it first. So my hair would not be able to withstand both relaxing it and bleaching it. So I was like, well, since I want to try to bleach my hair, I guess I'm going to have to stop relaxing it. And then after I stopped, I kind of found that I actually like my hair better. So now I kind of felt like, oh, I don't really want to go back to that because I kind of like the way that my hair is now. So I'll just stick with it the way it is right now. Yeah, although I do try to keep it really short because it does get really crazy when it starts getting long. Like, I don't know, like my hair starts making like a triangle shape. (laughs) It'll be like really flat on top and then get curlier and curlier as it gets out. So it looks like a Christmas tree, which is the hair that I had in middle school. So I don't want to go back to that hair. But... Now, i was wondering sabrina do you have any thoughts about like your hair and like natural hair and professionalism i um, kind of joined in late and i thought maybe you also have some
4: i think you know, it, I've, it, I've seen it, you
3: going through some hair changes through the past. oh yeah hi, right.
4: Sabrina, can you introduce yourself first sorry yeah um so hi everyone um listening in so i'm sabrina i'm part of the introspectives team um i do the creative side of things along with adrian Um, sorry I'm late to this chat but I'm here to get going um so to get back to what Adrian said um, I don't think it's ever been a problem for me um just because I think I really started going to job interviews at the end of uni um I think the one interview I went to when I was at uni my hair was like in it was like in a bob so my hair was actually relaxed at that time and. kind of similar to um, what G and Nina said, I've been kind of relaxing my hair since I was little. Um, I went through a phase where I kind of relaxed it and then I stopped and um, I just kind of, I did straighten it a lot instead of relaxing it. So the, the, the two of them were still bad. Um, but I really liked having short hair. I've never really like enjoyed having long hair. So for me, the hairstyles that I wanted, my hair had to be relaxed, or else it just wouldn't go into that shape. Um, and that's when I decided to relax it again when I was in sixth form. Um, and that's when I kind of started the journey of slowly kind of chopping away my hair until there is literally nothing here today. Um, but yeah, when I went for my first proper job interview, um, my hair was in a bob, so it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was natural. It was it was straight and it was cut in a bob. So, and it was neat as well. So I never got really any criticism from that. And then every job interview I've been to after that, um, I haven't really had any hair to do anything with cause that was at the point where most of my hair was shaved off. Um, I went for the current job I'm in now, my interview, my hair was blonde. It was like a little blonde Afro. Um, but what can they say to me? Like there's nothing I can physically do with my hair. Uh, apart from diet back to black Um, and I always make a point that when I go to interviews um, I'm like really obsessed with my appearance in terms of coordinating I like everything to match so I make it a point that if you're going to remember me at the interview you're going to remember me for how good I've been dressed and I make it a statement to kind of go all the way with how I with how I look um for me the one thing I'm cautious about is my earrings so I do like wearing um big earrings especially because I've got no hair so uh when I do go to these interviews the fact that I've got no hair I kind of tone down the earrings because I feel like if I was to wear big hoops I feel like that would probably incite something and I just thought even though I still I, for me I still look professional because it's not like my hoops are kind of touching my shoulders um but I, I'm kind of mindful of the impression that kind of wearing gold gold hoops would kind of um how, how I would be perceived kind of looking like that. But in terms of my actual hair, um, I've never found it to be a problem. But I do know people that they it's a conscious effort for them. Uh, my cousin, um, she's got like a lot of hair, but she will um, press it or kind of make it tame it for her job interviews because she knows that it'll give the wrong message if she goes with her natural hair out and it's having your natural hair out doesn't mean that you're messy you're unprofessional and um I think a few months ago this was during lockdown um someone actually posted online that they googled um what a professional um hairstyle looks like and what unprofessional um, hairstyle looks like and when they typed in professional hairstyle um lots of white people came up, and as soon as I typed in unprofessional, loads of black people came up. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just one of those people that have posted something on the internet. So straight away, I got on Google and tried it out for myself. And like loads of black men popped up for what unprofessional hair looks like. And I looked at the pictures and was thinking, what is unprofessional about how this man looks? Um, There's nothing unprofessional about his hair. It's not a mess. Um, It's just not what is considered the norm. but yeah, that's my little two cents.
0: Um, Hazel, do you have anything to add?
2: Oh. Um. Oh, sorry. One sec. Um. I really don't like my hair. <laughs> like we were saying, it's the classic, you want what you don't have. I have really fine hair and it won't grow past my shoulders. And do you know what? My dad has really long hair, like past his bum. Like my dad has super long hair. And it's like, why can you have that? And I can't. And my sister can too. She can grow really long, thick hair, but mine's really fine. It looks, my hair looks terrible all the time. And I have a allergy to hair dye. And in Korea, they wanted to experiment like dyeing and cutting a foreigner's hair just to put a foreigner on their website. And I was like, "Okay, I'll do it for free. But then they didn't do a patch test and they bleached my hair and dyed it. And I had the worst allergic reaction ever. It was horrible. It was so itchy. And um, so I can't dye my hair. But um, I did get a perm once in Korea and it was surprisingly like it was amazing. It looked so good, but it was really hard to make it stick I think because my hair is so fine it wouldn't stick I had to really put a lot of work into it so anyway they're just my the, the things I don't like about my hair I don't I don't like my hair I've never liked my hair yeah <laughs> that's not yeah that's it <laughs> um
0: Junina do you want to just uh, add more to your topic
1: yeah, just a little bit, because I realise I'm probably probably way over my five minutes, but um, a, a few of you were talking about hair colour, which I find really interesting, and I'll, I'll share a, a story of mine. So, I tried dyeing my hair purple when I was at school, and I thought it looked great. This is kind of secondary school, so maybe like 14, 15 years old, and I got pulled straight into the head teacher's office, school policy, we do not dye our hair, and I... I looked at my classmates and I thought, well, this girl has got blonde hair and brown eyebrows. So she has dyed her hair. And there was another girl who had, was a redhead and had put henna in her hair. But because I had dyed my hair, I don't know, outside of a common colour for my race or my ethnicity, it was easier to pick up and it was easier for me to get in trouble. So I spoke to my parents about this and, um, you know, went to went to our meeting and basically said to them either nobody no student dyes their hair or everybody is allowed to dye their hair and I just wonder if there's an extra level of criticism for women of color because we may dye our hair outside of our outside of what is naturally possible um whether there's any kind of extra criticism uh, afforded to that rather than just either people can dye their hair or they can't
0: I think unfortunately that is like the classic challenge that we all go through as um, children of color. Um, I think it's more, some are extreme than others, but I think it's really important what the school slash your parents do that determines like your perception on like beauty and et cetera. Um, And I don't know why, uh, I don't know why there's this like utter fascination with like if, Like you do something with your hair that particularly children of color, why the school cares so much. It's like, did they have a hate crime shaved on their head? No, like why? I just never understood that. But anyway.
1: And that and that translates into work, I think, you know, I am seen as a more rebellious person because I've dyed my hair. That my two colleagues, who are bottle blondes, very obviously bottle blondes, are no are not rebels because I don't know they've they've equally changed their hair colour from its natural state. So we're, we're in the same boat, but it's not it's not perceived that way at school, and it's not perceived that way in the workplace. I don't believe, and I'd like to see that changed. Um, I really will leave it there. I promise I won't hog this, this um, whole podcast.
0: <laughs> sorry, I I just I just do have a question. Um, how how because we're we're talking about who who's, um, so in your, in your opinion, then like who is per, per, uh, perpetuating these perceptions and how, because it translates to from school to work, like what can, well, not we, I guess, what can other
1: people do to stop that from happening? Just in Yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to something we said earlier, which is like natural hair is professional, whatever the state it is, if it is your natural hair, you know you're not you haven't done anything to it. it it's perfectly fine it's a part of your professional dress as long as it's clean and tidy um well not even tidy as long as it's clean I would say that is that is the minimum for me um and and I would So whoever is is challenging that is challenging that perception so it can be an institution it can be a school it could be um you know it could be fashion but I just you know, I really want more people to believe that natural hair is professional. You don't need to do anything to it. It's not going to impact your ability to do a job and it shouldn't be treated as such in my opinion. My comment was just gonna be
4: that um, not much has changed um, because when I was at school, I know that was was a problem. Um, even if I put like braids in my hair, um, I remember my friend at the time, um, I think she had like blonde colored braids in her hair and I felt like that was the issue. And it's like, well, it's not red, it's not purple, it, it's blonde. Um, just like other students can change their hair colour from black to blonde to brown or to red. Um, so could, so can we, like you, when people say, oh, that's not your natural hair colour. Well, black people can have red hair too. You know, you can be born with red hair. We can be born with blonde hair too. And we can, we can be born with whatever colour hair as well. It's just that. Typically, we're born with brown hair, but it's not impossible for us to have that as an actual natural hair colour. One of my friends I was growing up with, she was ginger. She was full black and she had a ginger (laughs) fro. And it's like, so... I can dye my hair the same color as her because technically that's that's a natural hair color too um but just because we're not seen as having those colors as natural hair colors it's like we're kind of left out the loop of being allowed to kind of access those colors and I think that the mentality is having such an unhealthy impact on young girls that are growing growing up um I saw it um clip online and you'll be able to find it anywhere. Of a little girl, I don't think she's no more than five or six, and the hairdresser is doing her hair and she's crying and saying that she's ugly because of her hair. And she made her hairdresser cry because her hairdresser had to stop doing her hair and say there's nothing wrong with your hair. You're beautiful. I've seen another clip of a of a girl and she um this boy in her class said she was ugly because of her hair and she came home and she was confused about it. And I think until the media start kind of portraying our natural hair as being um acceptable then um i don't think there's going to be a change on what doesn't um i know there's been a lot about people um culturally um i get tongue tied so easily culturally appropriating different hairstyles the problem isn't that you want to wear box braids or that you want to wear an afro it's the fact that the media makes it acceptable for you to do that whereas we we kind of get frowned upon for doing that. So if you're gonna wear box braids or you're gonna have your hair in afro, you're gonna do this, just say that you were inspired by this look or that you took inspiration from there. Cause unless you kind of say where you've got it from, you make it acceptable, then they're just gonna think that you're the ones that came up with it and it's only acceptable for you for you to wear it. Um I think I used to get laughed at for like a braid, I would never go to school with box braids. When I was younger because I just thought well those plaques are way too big and uh, they need to be smaller whereas now it's a lot more acceptable and it's like I don't think people understand the struggle that we kind of went through over our, our hair and now it's kind of being thrown around the internet is something cool to do and it's like we don't have a problem with you doing it just can you acknowledge the struggles that we faced um kind of to, to have it. And yeah, these little girls that are coming up now, it's like, unless the media kind of changes, and I wouldn't say just little black girls either. I would say little girls in general, just they need to be able to to love and accept um, their hair. And that's something that the media doesn't portray. Um, it makes, If you've got kind of silky hair, it's acceptable. And I think that's why I find, like even I have friends with frizzy hair or curly hair, and it's like, they can't deal with having curly hair. And it's like, but why why, why can't you accept your curly hair? And it's because the media doesn't really portray those kind of things as being like a hairstyle that you can manage. There's always some kind of cool product that you need to kind of tame your curls or to kind of reactivate your curls. It's like, what, what about just, just having natural hair in general? So that's um, my little bit.
1: I think the next episode is going to be about hair, Claire. I think think Brie and I could just do an hour on hair by ourselves, I think.
2: Do you, Nina and Sabrina, you've been talking about um, black women and natural hair in the workplace. I was wondering, do you have any comments about men? How, um, Like with black men, are there any different kind of expectations or kind of, expectations like based on the media or whatnot in the workplace like how would you compare men's and women black men's and women's experience related to hair in the workplace and based on what you were talking about like from the men's perspective do you have any comments or I was just curious
1: yeah I mean I've got two I've got two brothers who have probably suffered the same journey as me both of them facing suspension at school when they were younger because their hair was too short, because the policy that the school wrote didn't take into consideration that Afro hair needs to be cut lower than um, Caucasian hair. So they weren't skinheads, they just had short afros, but because it was lower than a grade, what is it, a grade two or a grade three on the on the um, on the clippers, it was deemed too short for school. So just a, a real lack of appreciation of how different hair is worn or different types of hair is worn um and then i think i think it's a little bit less pressure um as as men get older or certainly my perception and i think fashionably there is a lot more freedom in terms of men growing their hair longer men wearing braids men wearing you know longer afros. I think maybe if we looked 10 years ago, it was probably a little bit more restrictive and, and men were expected to keep kind of, or well, black men were expected to keep their hair quite low and short. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what I have to say about men.
0: Um, just because we know that you have to go right at 3.30, um, would you mind telling us who your beauty icon and role models are?
1: My answer, anyone who says that natural hair is not professional is perpetuating this um, image for me um well i so two one um will smith i think he's just a beautiful person he has always celebrated natural beauty, and he's done a lot kind of in Hollywood, I think, to support black actors and black actresses in their natural states of all shades and hues as well. So I really, it's a bit of an odd choice for me, um, but I really like him. Um, The other person I've always admired um, is not a black person, it's actually Dita Von Teese, and she has always, um, if you read any of her books, she's always challenged the idea of us investing so much in natural beauty, the idea that you need to buy lots of products to get natural beauty and she's always favoured kind of makeup being used creatively to create an image and she's very inspired by kind of in the 50s you you kind of it was almost like art on your face and kind of you use it as an accessory it's very it should be obvious that you're creating something and you're not trying to pass it off as your own kind of natural beauty so I've always found that really interesting and really attractive Um, as as a concept rather than, you know, let's buy this foundation that's exactly the same shade as as your natural skin tone, but you need it in order to appear natural. Um, I think that's just you spending money on on absolutely nothing. So, yes, those are my two icons. Yeah, No, those are really good answers.
3: Uh, Yeah, um, so I guess also building off of um, what Sabrina was saying, I think that the media is really perpetuating our perceptions of beauty and love as well. Uh, And, like, so talking, like, thinking about the perceptions about curly hair, I mean, I think another, like, image that I've kind of struggled with is that people often see curly hair as being very cute, like, very, like, Shirley Temple curls and stuff like that. So, like, for example, when my hair is, well, when my hair dries, it's usually, like, ringlets. So then, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's so cute. You look so cute. And then I also find it difficult to kind of escape that type of like cute image. So sometimes I feel like, oh, like do, and I, I feel like a lot of my style maybe is more in the realms of like kind of relaxed and kind of cute or something. But I also don't know like how much of that cute image is like, well, how much do I I like this? Or do I feel like I need to uphold this type of cute image because of my hair? Like, Because it's ringlets, because people think it's really temple, because they think it's cute, then I feel like I have to look cute or, you know, something like that. I mean, I don't know. So it's kind of interesting as well to think about, like, how we might, like, lean into the image that we think that our hair or our body is portraying, you know. And they, you know, they always say, like, oh, you should wear clothes that, like, augment your body. Like, if you have, like, an hourglass figure, you should have your waistline here. So, kind of interesting to think about like well what are the things that i like because i like it and what are the things that i feel pressure to like because of the media because of like all the beauty advice that we're given you know how does that change our own ideas of our own images of ourselves so yeah that was just what i wanted to add <laughs> um
0: yeah thanks for that i hope all of you find it sort of cathartic to talk about this. I know in a sense, it's really annoying and it confirms how annoying it really is. But um, yeah, I I hope it's nice to just get it all out there.
4: I would agree with Adrian and say the media, but I would also say as well, family um, perpetuate um, perceptions of beauty. And the reason why I say that is because I've been on such a long hair journey and um if it sounds so bad but if my nan did not pass away i don't think my hair would have gone as quick as it did um because growing up it was like oh having long hair in the black community just having long hair it was just so ideal and kind of if you had really long hair people were amazed at like oh my gosh you're black and your hair can grow and it's this long um and my nan actually thought that the My hairdresser was ruining my hair because I asked her to kind of cut it. And I remember when she first cut it short and I had like a bit of a pixie cut and it was nice and layered in the back. And my nan was just like, oh, my God, you've got to stop going to that hairdresser. She's ruining your hair. She's ruining it. And I was like, "But I want my hair to look like this. It was my choice. And I remember it got to a. I I think I kept cutting it for a year. And then I just stopped cutting it and just let my hair grow because I just because my nan wanted my hair to grow. So I, I stopped doing what I wanted to do um, to please her. And then when I moved away to uni, I think my excuse was, ah, oh, uni influenced me. So I started cutting it again. And then I think I waited probably a year after she passed away. And that's when I started like the journey of shaving it until now I've I've completely shaved it off. And even now, going home for Christmas, I think, oh, uh, who's going to be the first one to comment on my hair and the fact that I've shaved it all off? Like, that is something I'm I'm working on, what my comebacks are going to be to anybody who asks me, why did you cut your hair? Why did you cut your hair? And I've got to a point now where hair is vanity. It's like we put so much into our hair and making sure it looks a certain way. Um, and I think that, just I, why do we feel this much pressure to kind of invest so much energy in our hair instead of just kind of going at our own pace and just kind of loving it the way that we want to love it but there's just so between like other people's perceptions and the media um, I feel like that's who I feel like um, per- I could get the words out perpetuating <laughs> perceptions of uh, of beauty in love so that's my short and sweet answer
0: yeah um sorry i don't i don't have anything concrete to ask you but i just wanted to add that uh in my opinion oh you missed my first bit but in my opinion my perceptions of beauty and love have been shaped by white men because of that surgery thing i mentioned earlier and then from there it filters down to like other women, your friends and family, but I do agree with you. Like, I mean, when a stranger tells you
4: like, oh, it's up bit your hair,
0: it's like, well, I don't know you, so whatever. But if your family members tell you, it's like a whole different level. Sorry, that was my thing. Anyone else?
4: No, I know, t- I totally agree. And I remember when I dyed my hair pink, so it was like a proper hot pink. Um, and for the, every day, that week that my hair was like hot pink I got a compliment from so many different people Uh, the schools that I went in either the teachers were complimenting me or the students were complimenting me when I went shopping the guy that was serving me was complimenting me and I just thought why have I been so scared to kind of dye my hair this color like even though it felt nice that people kind of commented on how nice it was it's like why do I actually need their their comments and I think when I actually shaved my hair off it was just so impulsive um when I went bold and the confidence that having no hair has given me like I feel like my confidence has skyrocketed like every time I look in the mirror and just see my bald head it's like oh my god I look so amazing and I thought who would have thought that just having no like when you depend on hair so much and you've kind of growing up, changing your hair, dyeing your hair, cutting your hair, doing so, my hair is, I think Claire is in so many different hairstyles from me. And getting to the point where I literally have no hair, I don't know, it just feels so satisfying. Um, But it's a hard, it's a really hard thing to do. I think I can understand why some people scared to do it because you think oh what's my head shape gonna look like like from a certain angle I'm like yeah my head's definitely a cone but if I don't face that way then you won't know and it doesn't bother anybody (laughs) so like yeah it's taken me a really long time and I think when you get to that point of like accepting your hair I don't know it really does boost your confidence in a way
2: okay so my topic is Uh, body hair (laughs) so uh, that's my main like it's been my main issue since forever so I have really pale skin I have really dark hair so when I was younger like in school I remember like people would make fun of like my eyebrows or like my legs so I got really self-conscious about it at a really early age and to this day like a funny thing actually is like when I lived in the UK, I never really liked to show my legs because they are so pale. And you know, like if you shave your legs and you have pale skin and you have dark hair, like even if you shave, you can still see. Like it's a nightmare. Um, and so actually, in in the UK, I used to try and buy like the fake tan creams and all of that, but like it just didn't really work with me. I just looked a bit stupid. But um, being in Korea, I've become a lot more relaxed about showing my legs because in Korea they want to have like super pasty pale legs so like here it's like it's uh suddenly like I don't feel so self-conscious whereas in the UK I wouldn't want to show my legs like it's weird and then um the last time when we were scheduled to have this original chat the day before I did the most painful mask on my face like I have kind of you know like fuzz here or here that I want to get rid of I know this is audio so I should probably explain like on your upper lip or like around your chin area stuff like that like I really in maybe the last two years I've got so self-conscious about it it's really silly but it really bothers me and so I try to do this really it is so painful it's gelatin and milk and honey and you melt it and then you put it on your skin and then leave it for 30 minutes And then when you peel it off, it's supposed to rip every like hair off your face in addition to like any impurities and whatnot. It was extremely painful. It's the second time I've done it, but the first time it didn't work that well. So I tried again and it didn't work well. And it was so much pain for no result. And I was so upset and it was just like, what am I supposed to do? So basically, I've just had a never ending complex. That's just it seems to be switching. It used to be my legs and then my eyebrows and now it's my face. Mm. so yeah that's my uh my main issue (laughs) yeah it's stressful
0: do you think the concept the question beauty is pain is accurate
2: in that case yeah (laughs) Do, do you think it's worth it i'm just curious uh well that mask wasn't worth it no but it's like, for example, waxing, you get longer results than, for example, the creams, the what you, what they called, you know, the creams that uh, disintegrate your hair. Oh, my God, what are they called? Nair? Is that what you're talking about? For example, about? yeah, whatever they, whatever those kind of things, that will give you results for what, two days, whereas waxing, it's a lot more painful, but you get longer results. So, yeah, beauty is pain when it comes <laughs> to this topic, I think. Uh, Yeah, so
3: actually, it's funny, because
2: like, when you're mentioning, I was like,
3: Oh, yeah, that's another thing that I've struggled with that I forgot about. But like, uh, like, I really hate my eyebrow shape, because it's very arched. And I always felt like it makes me look a little bit like evil. (laughs) And so I used to like, so actually, that's one reason why I started getting bangs is because I hated my eyebrows so much. So I wanted to cover them up. And there were like a good few years where nobody ever saw my eyebrows. They had no idea what they looked like because my bangs were just so long, it just covered up my eyebrows. And like, I don't also like, I was always really scared of plucking my eyebrows because I'd heard from someone that if you pluck them wrong, then the hair will never grow back the same. And you're just like screwed forever. So I was always like, Oh no, I can't pluck my eyebrows. Like, this is awful. I hate my eyebrow shape. I can't pluck them. Like, what am I going to do? So I was like, okay, I'll just get bangs and cover them up. <laughs> so just, like cover up the problem. But recently, like, I mean, I, I stopped having bangs for a while and now I have bangs again, but they're a lot shorter they don't really cover up my eyebrows anymore so i'm I'm starting to like try to love my eyebrows again and not worry about them so much and I don't know I also went through a period where I was like plucking them a lot but then it was weird because I kept getting these like little like uh divots in my skin for like where the eyebrow would be like um moving what <laughs> is like so it would be like if I move my eyebrow there'd be like a little like like dip here where the hair would be, but I plucked it. So it's not there anymore. So instead there's just like a little, like, I don't know, a little like dip in my in my face. So I don't know. That has also been a struggle, which I've been thinking about. And I was like, oh, well, now that I don't have like long bangs anymore, I guess I have to start thinking about how I'm going to pluck my eyebrows again. <laughs> but then we want to lock down. So I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, you know, whatever. <laughs>
4: I'm guessing you've left it quite so I can say something. Couldn't tell. Um, Now, I totally agree with what Hazel said, and I can't believe I'd forgot, like, the bane of the bodily hair. I think when I was younger, for me, it was my arms. I just thought, wow, they're so hairy. So um, it was the first and last time I tried this, but I used um, the hair removal cream on my arms to get rid of all the hair. And then uh, by the time I got to my shoulders and like all the hair was gone, I was like, but I'm still, still hairy. And I thought, you know what? I've just got to stop. Cause if I continue, then I'm literally just going to have to cover myself in cream because now I've gone up to my shoulders and my arms are completely bare, but now like the back and the rest of me is hairy. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to give up. Like my arm is not that big of a deal anymore. Um, I think as I've got older, I've definitely got a lot more lazier and i remember at uni kind of going out on a night out and if it was a dress or a skirt i would like look at my leg hair and think eh, how long is it kind of get away with being in the club with hairy legs oh, it's going to be dark anyway no one's going to see my legs if anyone's that close to my legs then there's a problem cuz they should be down there and that was literally how i would assess if i needed to shave my legs or not and all the pain of going out and you kind of see the one strip of hair that just got completely missed by the razor and it's just like why? <laughs> I tried so hard to shave and like now I've been sabotaged. Um, but I think for me, the the part of me that really just annoys me is like my armpit hair and not the fact that I can't shave it or that it doesn't go. It's like my skin is just so dark because of shaving. And like when you see on TV, the women lifting up their armpits and it's just all smooth skin. It's like, how 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 so how so smooth and i know it's nothing to do with my race because i've seen other black people and it's just like what am i doing that is so different to you like why does it why does it look like this and i think like i'll go out and it's like i'll shave my armpits like what what is the, what is the point because it's so dark anyway i might as well just leave the hair there anyway and i think what's funny is when you see the memes of like women during winter and it's like we're a complete furball because we've got no reason to kind of like shave and then when it gets to summer we kind of like wax everything and like uh, get rid of everything and um, definitely I agree with beauty is pain because I to this day I think getting my eyebrows threaded and my legs waxed hurts way more than any of my tattoos like I would I would pay and I would have a tattoo done any day then get my eyebrows threaded. Like the amount of times I've like shed tears because my eyebrow, like the, the thread gets like snagged on her eyebrows. Like, oh my God, like I just want nice eyebrows. Like you didn't tell me I was going to cry trying to fix my eyebrows. Um, I tried to thread my top lip because my friend said that um, it's better than shaving your top lip if you thread it. Got halfway across my lip and I just thought I'm just gonna shave the rest of it off because I'm actually crying, trying to trying to make m- myself like less hairy. Yeah, I tried to thread my upper lip once, and that no way,
2: absolutely not. I couldn't get past like <laughs> even one second of it.
0: Can everyone go and say, um, again, who perpetuated beauty and love perceptions within us and share your beauty and love icon? So yeah, I'll just I'll just go first since I'm already unmuted. So, like I said, in my opinion, it's white men. Um, uh, my icons are uh Gemma Chan, um, Bey Duna. She's like the actress in stranger, if you guys have seen that K drama. If y'all have seen that K drama, try not to say you guys. Um, Kathy Parkong was the author of that book I've showed you guys. Oh my god, I did it again. Um <laughs> Greta Lee and Jamie Chung it's just nice to see these faces in the media and to have them just like reflect what I look like and all of what they stand for is just so positive just really gives me hope um okay so I guess I'll I'll pass it to um I'll, I'll pass it to Adrian um so do you want to answer the question then pass it to someone else then we'll just we'll just end
3: okay um so as I was saying before, I think that the media really perpetuates our ideas of beauty and love, I mean, among other things, but I think media is a huge part of it. Uh, as for style icons, and I don't really have any, I don't know, recently I just kind of do whatever. <laughs> it was like, oh, what looks nice. Okay, whatever. But I think when I was in high school, I really liked Helena Bonham Carter Cause she had, she has like very curly hair and she's also kind of like quirky and weird. So I think maybe she was, I wouldn't really say my style icon, but I did kind of like look up to, to her and kind of, you know, think like, oh, she's really beautiful. And I really love her like weird sense of style and her, you know, quirky hair and way of just like embracing things that were different that, you know, that she just, liked that maybe we're not the norm. So um, yeah, and I guess I'll pass it on to Hazel.
2: Uh, sure, yeah, I would say the media as well. I think growing up, I was really influenced by music videos, <laughs> for sure. Um, and my beauty, I've always loved Jennifer Lopez for years and years and years like I know it's a proper like cheesy choice. But I just think she's gorgeous. And she just keeps in such good shape and she's 50 like she looks amazing and she just takes really good care of herself um and um I yeah I just think she always looks amazing and for some like some reason I've always like she's always been my like (laughs) go-to um beauty icon yeah
4: Um, so yeah I'll definitely agree with um Adrian and Adrian Hazel like I said before I definitely think it's the media um, but then I do feel like um, family and the people around you do have um, a bit of an influence on it as well. Um, in terms of like beauty icon, I don't. I don't think I really had one. Um, I think my style um, growing up and still now was quite random. I kind of just gravitated towards what I liked. Um, the one person that I would pick would be Nia Long, um, if any of you have heard of her. and um, She's an actress and um, I used to watch her in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And she was the one that got me um, wanting my hair shaved off. I saw her short hair and I just thought, oh my gosh, your hair is amazing. I want my hair that short. And because she was a black woman as well, seeing her hair that short, and I'm so used to kind of seeing afros, it's like, oh my god, I I need to replicate this. And I think she's definitely been my inspiration for kind of having short hair. Um, I would say, in terms of kind of like um, your kind of face, that's that came out so wrong. Your face, um, in terms of like um, skincare and things like that, I would say Rihanna. And that's only because um, I think I watched her do a clip of kind of her nighttime routine of, uh, of what she what she uses on her face, and I think because she took the time to kind of explain all of her products and how you actually use them and kind of um, the process that she went through, I was like, okay, maybe I could actually put more effort into. Uh, looking after like my face and trying different products or um having a better routine um but then I'd say that she was also inspiration for hair because at one point I did go with the red bowl cut that she had before um and just kind of experimenting with cutting your hair short I think she went through so many different short styles that it kind of it gave me the confidence to kind of go for my near long haircut um so I'd say a combination of the two of them